Numbers 15. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, I might have chopped up that story, but the bagpipers got it. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was discovered gathering wood on the Sabbath day. And those who caught him, how many of you guys know there's pretty good catchers around us? Huh? There's some pretty good catchers around us. Those who caught him had brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole community. And they put him in custody. For there was no clear decision as to what should be done with him. Outcome of story. This is Levitical law. It was the word of God. Anyone caught breaking the Sabbath was stoned. It didn't matter if you were working. It didn't if you were caught in adultery, if you were caught with the girl that wasn't your wife, if you were caught stealing, if you took somebody's belongings, the punishment for the sin of the person committing the act that was intentional was stoning to death. And, and you couldn't get away from it. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't put it aside. If, 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 I mean, thank God most of our kids probably would have been stoned. Now, I know some of them have gotten stoned. I know you've gotten stoned, but all right. But, but if a rebellious son, if a rebellious son didn't want to obey his parents, they took him outside of the gate of the city as to not defile the land, and they would stone him. They would stone him and kill him outside of the city. The Old Testament law and requirements was brutal. Was brutal. And the Bible says they found a man gathering sticks in the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, I gather wood. You gather wood. I mean, he had responsibilities to do. I mean, I don't know if he had a, a, a wife that would say, go on and get me. Some, you want to eat? Go get some wood. You want tortillas? By the way, my wife's been getting better and better at making tortillas and, and, and all that other stuff. She got some recipes. If you're, if you're over 60 and you got good recipes, pass them on by. All right, for anything. Jam, chili bee, all the good stuff. All right. So if you were, I mean, I, what did the guy need? Did he need to go and, did, did he need to provide fuel? Did he need to provide heat for the home? And he was out there, I mean, just doing an honest day's work. I don't know what he needed sticks for. How many of you guys, when you came in this morning, they gave you a little toothpick? I want you to hold on to that. Today is class participation. I don't know what he needed. I mean, but, but the people that were, were, were out there looking found him. And how many of you guys know that if you... If you look for wrong in somebody, if you look for sin in somebody, you're going to find it. If you look for failures in, in somebody's life, you're going to find it. If you look for, for mistakes, I mean, if I, if I look for your flaws and I hang out with any one of you for any amount of time and, and you're looking for flaws in me, you're going to find it and I'm going to find flaws in you. And so many times we live our life like that, looking Looking for flaws in other people. Looking for failures in other people. Uh, I heard one pastor say, you might have made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. 
You know, we might have been uh, making, uh, isn't it amazing how we, we call sin mistakes and failure now? I mean, but, but it's no different. And, and, and notice that they didn't know what to do with this guy. They didn't know what to do with him. So they brought him to Moses and they said, Moses, I mean, this guy needed wood. No explanation. What did he need the wood for? I don't know. Maybe his wife wanted to heat the house. Maybe he was a carpenter. Maybe he was a carpenter and he wanted to build something that day. Well, the Sabbath, you couldn't work. He couldn't work on the Sabbath. So, so you gathered some sticks. Don't matter what you need. The Bible says they set him under guard. They, they, they put him in confinement. They put him in solitary confinement. I don't know if they locked him in a, I mean, I've been in solitary confinement. I was 14 years old in, in Aspen at the New Mexico Boys School. Solitary confinement for months at a time. Three, four months, I think, at one time. The last time I was there. Locked in a cell. I, I, I know how to do time by myself. I can do it. How would you like to be locked in a room in a cell all by yourself? No visits, no phone call, no human contact. Your food's brought to you. You're, you're taken out for a shower and taken out for a little bit of yard time, and that's about it. That's what they did to this guy. They locked him up, and they put him, and they said, well, we got to figure out what to do. So what did they do to him? Well, the Bible says they brought him to Moses, and Moses says, it's the law of the Lord. we got to stone him. we got to stone him. Thank God for my Jesus. Thank God for my Jesus. The, thank God. Thank God for that slim, lean Galilean who became sin for me and he took up the cross and he went and carried my sin upon the cross. How many of you guys know that we have a carpenter by the name of Jesus of Nazareth? They said he was a lawbreaker. He was a Sabbath breaker. He healed on the Sabbath. And they said, you've broken the law. He said, I'm not breaking the law. I'm fulfilling the law. I am the law and the prophets. I'm the fulfillment. So you got all these people wanting to celebrate and observe days and season and months. I'm observing Jesus. I'm observing Jesus Christ. Because pretty soon you'll no longer observe the seasons and the days and the months. Because you cannot observe the days, the seasons, and the months without observing the sacrifice. And my Bible says that Jesus Christ was crucified once and for all. Once and for all. So, what does this mean? Galatians chapter 3, and they've got it up on the screen. How many of you guys know that this man in the, in the confinement was you and I? He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I don't know if the maintenance guy didn't get the message, but it's summertime still. It's hot up here, guys. Um, if you could continue reading, verse 23, they've got it up on the screen. Open your Bibles. It says, but the scripture, verse 22, Galatians 3, uh, they only got 23 up there, but I'm going to read verse 22. It says, but the scripture, somebody say, but the Bible has confined all, notice this, 
confined all under, under sin, that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 23, I'll prove it to you in black and white. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Every one of us, all of us, doesn't matter what skin color you are, doesn't matter, matter what your race or what your creed was, every one of us was placed in solitary confinement. Every one of us was placed under guard. And if Jesus Christ had not come, you and I would have been the next sons and daughters. We would have been stoned. We would have been stoned. In the NIV, it says that we were held in custody under the law, locked up. I ain't never been locked up, brother. I can't relate. Yeah, you have. You've been locked up. You were in custody, and you were shut out, the Bible says, from the promises of Abraham. You were shut out. You were locked out. But then grace came. I love that part. He says you were held in custody until faith that would come was revealed. In other words, you might have been out there gathering some sticks. You might have been out there gathering some sticks. And people say, you can't gather sticks on the Sabbath. You can't gather sticks because it's the law of God. You want to be stoned? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he said, Father, this is crazy. They're, they're stoning each other over sticks. How many of you guys got your sticks? Where's your little stick? They're, they're, they're killing each other over sticks. They're killing each other over breaking the law of God. There's got to be a different solution. There's got to be another remedy. Oh, but the Bible says that he looked and he sought for a man that would stand in the gap. And he found Jesus and his own arm brought salvation. Jesus Christ came and they said, he doesn't honor the Sabbath. And Jesus says, is it good? Is it evil to do good on the Sabbath? We were held in custody under the law. Jesus Christ came with a key and he says, I'm going to open up the law. And he opened up, opened up grace. I'm going to reveal myself to these people because these people are going to stone themselves. They're going to kill every one of them. And Jesus says, hold it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go reveal faith to them. I'm going to release them. They were set under guard, locked up, locked out until Christ came. And notice the Bible says that when faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We are no longer under a tutor. The Bible says that the Bible was our tutor. It was our guardian to bring us to Christ. It revealed what wrong was. It revealed what sin was. But notice that it did not only reveal the sin, it gave us also a redeemer. A redeemer who paid the price for you and I. And so a lot of times we, 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 we hold people under custody. Like James was saying, I remember you're wrong. I remember what you did to me. What if God would remember what you did to him? I mean, poor guy was killed and he was stoned for gathering a few sticks. And I started reading the Bible expositorily and saying, well, there's nothing wrong with sticks. I mean, the Bible says the prophet Elijah, or Elisha, was it, caused an accent to float with a stick. 
You guys remember the story? Second Kings chapter 6, the Bible says one of the prophets came and says, Oh, master, I dropped the axe head. It's called cutting, losing your cutting edge. I dropped the axe head in the river, and it's lost. And worse, it was borrowed. So the prophet Elijah says, Well, where did you drop it? Take me exactly where you dropped it. And the Bible says that he says, Okay, I dropped it right there. And the Bible says that Elijah got a little stick, pick up your little stick. He picked up that stick and he threw it into the water. And the Bible says the axe head swimmed. Jesus Christ walked on water. If it sunk, he can make it rise. So the Bible says, I mean, a miracle, a miracle was done with that stick. Uh, uh, Moses in Exodus chapter 4 the Bible says he was out in the wilderness and God says what is it that you have in your rod in your hand and Moses says I have a stick and God says throw it down on the ground and the stick became a serpent and God says with this stick I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the extraordinary in your life with the stick so there was nothing wrong in the stick there was nothing wrong in, in the stick. I mean, God could raise an iron axe head. God can uh, uh, cause miracles to be shown in front of Pharaoh with the stick. Crazy, crazy story. One time, my uncles and I, we were camping. We were hunting out here, and, and it was in the wintertime around the, the salmon runoff. So, so we, were, we were salmon fishing, and, uh, you know, when you're, when you're inebriated, you don't think straight. And one of my cousins whistled to my uncle and says, hey, tirame las llaves. And so my uncle got a bulk of keys and motorhome and jeep and everything, picked up the keys, threw them over the dam, and, and they fell, whoosh, boom, into the water. And Abiquiu or Heron Lake, one of those, I can't remember, I was small, but I remember vividly. And, and my, my cousin's looking over the top, and my brother, my, my uncle's looking at him like that, and they're like, que pendejo. I wish I would have known this story then. I would have got a little stick and says, I can make those keys swim, throw it over. But, but genius, genius. See, I didn't come from dummies. My uncle had a speaker in the back of his Jeep, and he got this, the magnet from the speaker, to disassembled it, and, and got the fishing line. Amazing story. He got the fishing line. I mean, talk about taking the coin out of the fish's mouth. This is this is just like one of those stories. But he got the he got the magnet, tied it to a fishing line, and he threw it in the water, and the keys caught, and he brought it in. Crazy, crazy, crazy. You ever lock your keys out of your car? This generation needs help with the gospel, understanding the word of God. We ought to be creative when presenting the message of Jesus Christ because my God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he said, whoa. You know, there was a study done just a few weeks back. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the organization, but the, the statistics are alarming of the amount of people that have left church during COVID and will never come back. But the worst part about it is the youngsters, the millennials, the young generation that have left. They said by 2050, like 60% of the young people in church today will not come back. I mean, they're already predicting a falling away. So we have a, a, a time is of the urgence to commu communicate, not change the message of the gospel, but to communicate the gospel in a way that people will say, man, I want that. I want that, Jesus. I want that grace. 
And so let me get back to my story. He wants to use us to transform lives. Is my faith appealing? Is my mercy appealing? Is my compassion appealing? You know, sometimes we can get forgotten that you sin just like every one of us. But the Bible says that to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier. Notice that Jesus Christ, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he is the just one and he is the justifier. He is the just one and he is the justifier. He came to liberate you. He came to set you free. He didn't come to stone you. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets so that he can set your life free. If you're looking for faults in people, you're going to find it. In Romans 14, the Bible says, in Romans 14, the Bible says, why do you bring judgment and so why do you condemn another believer? Now he's talking here about eating and drinking. Contextually, he's talking about believers who, who have the liberty to do whatever they want. And Paul says, I will not use my liberty. In other words, don't cause another to stumble. But then he goes on to say, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you do look down on another believer? Notice, oh, well, we've got it all together, brother. Remember, we all stand. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the, script, the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't hold each other accountable, but we don't look down on people. We don't judge people. In other words, we do make righteous judgments. But we don't look at people and say, oh, look at what they did. Because a lot of us, we're good at that. We could look at other people and say, look at what they did. But we don't look within the confines of our own life. We, we excuse in ourselves what we don't excuse in others. Jesus said, you guys go back to that verse in John. He says, why do you look at the speck of dust in your own eye? He says, First, remove the speck out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly. It's up there, guys, if you can help me out a little bit. And there it is. ¿Por qué te fijas en la estilla que tiene tu hermano en el ojo? Y no le das importancia. Man, I need to change the writing on that. A la viga que está en el tuyo. Notice. ¿Cómo puedes decirle a tu hermano Déjame sacarte la astilla del ojo cuando ahí tienes una viga en el tuyo. I was going to bring some vigas in here for you to carry, but we already got some. Notice he's saying you got a viga in your eye and you're trying to remove the viga out of your brother's eye when you got a... Notice he says, déjame sacarte la astilla del ojo cuando ahí tienes una viga en el tuyo. Turn around, tell your neighbor, en el tuyo. En el tuyo. Take out the stick or the log out of your own eye. He says, before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. Pretty soon we'll all be eyeless, poking each other. That's not why I gave you that toothpick. But this generation needs help understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you guys know that Jesus Christ wants to set us free? He wants to bring mercy and grace back into the church. If we go around judging everybody and being critical of everybody, we will save anyone. 
We won't save anyone. So why do you judge another brother? He says, why do you look down on another brother? We're looking at everybody else like we're perfect. Like we're right. There was one more scripture there in Spanish. It was in Romans. There you go. Tu entonces. And I'm doing this in Spanish because brother says, why don't you ever preach in Spanish? And I started reading that verse and it said, it rings much better. Romans 14 verse 10 says, Tú entonces, ¿por qué juzgas a tu hermano? O tú, ¿por, ¿por qué lo menosprecias? I remember my grandma used to use that word all the time. No lo menosprecian, no lo menosprecian. In other words, you don't see value in him. Why do you devalue your brother? You know, my, my uncle's the ones who had it all together, they had their marriages intact, their families intact, they had everything. And, and my other uncles, they looked down on them because they were nobodies, they were nothing. And then it says, todos tendremos que comparecer ante el tribunal de Dios. Está escrito, tan cierto como es, como yo vivo, dice el Señor, ante mí doblará toda rodilla. Every one of us must give an account. You will give an account and those people that we're so judgmental about, they're going to give an account. God will deal with them. God will deal with them just as he deals with us. So he says, notice, do not try to take the log or the stick out of your brother's eye when you have one in your own eye. How many of you guys remember that story in Matthew chapter 7? We don't have this one, but when there was that man and that woman caught in adultery, in the very act, the Bible says. In the what were they doing? Watching, peeping toms, the Pharisees. In the very act, they caught him, both the man and the woman. And the Bible says that the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus and says, the law of Moses said, we shall stone her. What do you say? Jesus says, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And it's amazing because I got 10 more minutes. You guys got 10 more minutes? It's amazing because, because the Bible says that Jesus, before he even said anything, he knelt on the ground and he wrote something. What did Jesus write? And I had a little sticky note here. Justin gave it to me the other day. And he, he got me real good. He distracted me. He, he wrote me a little note. It's on a pink slip, you know. And he wrote there, you look sexy. And <laughs> I got the note. I said, what is this? I'm looking at it. But I always wonder, what did Jesus write on the ground? I, I don't know what he wrote. But, but it's amazing that whenever he wrote, whatever he wrote, the Bible says that one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to drop their rocks. I don't know. Now, I don't know what he wrote. But, 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 but today, and I wish I would have had that little paper, but today Jesus might have been like, okay, we're going to start stoning people. Let me bring the chalkboard up here. And so he would have got the chalkboard or maybe the dirt, and he would have wrote dot. But the Bible says they looked at whatever he wrote on the dirt and they dropped the rocks and they walked away. And Jesus looked at the woman and says, where are your accusers? And the Bible says that they walked away one by one. Why? Because they were just as guilty. 
they had just as well violated the law and they, if they had been publicly pointed out, would also have been joining her under that pile of rocks. They would have joined her under that pile of rocks. I don't know about you, but here's the title of my message. I'm dropping my rocks and I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm dropping my rocks. Actually, sticking with Jesus is the title of my message. But if you get anything out of this, I'm dropping my rocks and I'm sticking with Jesus. Because how many of you guys know in Proverbs verse chapter 18, verse 24, it says, but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh yeah, I might be so righteous and so pure and all that stuff. But Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. But I mean, if you guys know that Jesus Christ says, I'm tired with these sticks. I know what I could do with this wood. I can make myself a cross and I can carry their sin and I could bear their sin upon my body. Thank Jesus for the carpenter who says, I'm going to drop the rocks and I'm going to carry the sticks to Golgotha. Now in the book of Numbers, it doesn't say that that man was Jesus. It's not a prophecy about Jesus. I never heard a message out of that chapter in the book of Numbers about Jesus, but I really do believe that it was a prophetic picture of Jesus. When people saw Jesus carrying that cross through the Via Della Rosa, when they saw him going through the marketplace, they got to have to see, I wonder what he did. Isn't that the carpenter's son? Oh my God, he's carrying the wood. They're going to stone him. They're going to crucify him. Imagery, I'm sure they must have seen it. Just like Pilate, when Jesus was standing before him, he says, are you a king then? Are you a king then? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if it were, then my subjects would have come and got and released me. And, and then Pilate looks at him and says, I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jew. But watch what he did. He got a bowl of water and he washed his hands. Why did he wash his hands? Imagery. Because in the law, this guy's not a Jew, but notice what he does. He takes a basin of water and washes his hands. And he says, I am, I am guilt-free of the condemnation and the charge against this man. Because he knew it. Jesus rode in the dirt of his heart through the dream of his wife and says, have nothing to do with that innocent man. Because on account of him, I have suffered many things. I have suffered many things. In the book of Deuteronomy, this wasn't part of my message, but it's my message and I can preach it how I want to. The Bible says that uh, in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 21, it says, If anyone is found slain in the field in the land which the Lord God is given you to possess, and it is not known who killed him. In other words, here's an unsolved murder. He says, Then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance from the slain man to the surrounding cities. And then the Bible says that, 
and all the elders of that city nearest to the slain man there shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valleys. And the Bible says, Then they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed innocent blood, nor have our eyes seen it. In other words, we didn't kill him, and we don't know who killed him. And then the Bible says that the priest, the, notice the priests are to say, notice, this is prophetic, this is them speaking, Provide atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed and atonement shall be provided on behalf of the blood so what they would do is if they found a slain man in the middle of the road there's no suspects there's no murder weapon what do we do well in order for there to be atonement and redemption you would take a measuring line but you would take a measuring line and you would measure this was their forensic evidence you would take from the slain man you would take and measure a line and whichever city was nearest is the only city that would be provided atonement for that's how they did it in the old testament now i'm not saying that's how we do it today but that's how they did it. And they, they, all the elders of that city would come and say, we are innocent of this man's blood. We didn't kill him. We don't know who killed him. We, we live near, so, so because we're nearest, we're guilty. Because we're nearest, we're the ones that, that have to provide atonement for. But what about those that were far away? Well, he covered that. In Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible says that he came near and those who were far away he provided redemption for. According to Ephesians chapter 1. Those who were far away, those who were outside, he made you an insider. So Jesus Christ said, I'm not going to let them fall out of my sight. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, there was no atonement for you have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, how we need to gather up our stones and stick with Jesus. We need to stick with Jesus because if you, if you stick with everybody else and everybody else's movements, you will get lost and you will lose Jesus. In the book of Colossians, and I got a couple of verses that are I didn't give you out there, so bear with me. Colossians chapter 2. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that is in Jesus Christ, and verse 13 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses and having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he was taken, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the tree having disarmed the principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them on the cross he says so then let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come but the substance is christ 
He says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, he goes on to say in verse 23, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm not sticking with traditions and dates and seasons and months and years and sacrifices. God is looking for a church that will stick with Jesus. I'm sticking with Jesus because he's the one that forgave my sins. He's the one that took up those sticks. He broke the Sabbath and healed the sick. He was the Sabbath breaker. Jesus was the Sabbath breaker. Now you can't observe Sabbaths and not observe the stones. Oh, well, brother, we don't stone people. Well, you might as well because you can't have one and not everything else. That's what my Bible said. So, I heard a powerful story and I'm going to close it up with this. Here's that little note. I knew I had it. So, Billy Graham's daughter on her second marriage Billy Graham asked her I think it was Ann Graham Lotz he asked her are you sure are you sure she had doubts she had questions that the marriage might not work her second marriage this is Billy Graham's daughter you know what amazed me about the family is that his own children they didn't know their dad was world-renowned until they got older. They knew he was always gone, but they didn't know. They didn't have social media. They didn't have TV and none of that stuff. She said, Dad, should I marry him? And she had doubts and she had questions. He says, well, if you're not sure, then do it. Don't do it. So she says, I went ahead and married him anyway. She says, I made that fateful call to my dad because the marriage didn't work out. And she said, Dad, I'm leaving him. I'm leaving this marriage. And I'm going home because of whatever circumstances happened. He didn't sit there and say, I told you. Didn't I warn you? He hung up the phone. His last words were, come back home. Come back home. She drove up to that little house where they live in North Carolina. She said, my daddy was sitting on the porch waiting for me. And he said, welcome home. See, it's easy for us to cast stones when it's not us. It's them. Oh, it's them. But Romans said it's us. All of us were set under guard. And unless Jesus had come, we ourselves would have been stoned. How many of you guys would make a commitment here today and says, I'm sticking with Jesus I'm sticking with Jesus Christ 
because he can do a lot better